you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Well, hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We are live. Did any of you know the show is also live? I mean, I know a lot of you subscribe and listen to the podcast, but uh, it usually goes out live unless the publishers don't want it to go live and they want it saved till later. But it goes live on five different Facebook groups, uh, the LinkedIn uh, things over there, YouTube and Twitter. So you ain't got a chance to... To check those out, I'm just doing a way to set up the plugs once again. I get tired of calling the plugs out, and I think you probably get tired of hearing them. But in the meantime, go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, go to youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss as well. I should get an award for that segue because that was new. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. We're going to be talking about amazing workplaces and the future of workplaces. You know, we've had a lot of authors that have come on, talked about remote work. Uh, people, uh, you know, are now working from home more than ever. I've been working from home since 2004, running companies in other states and stuff that I just go visit every now and then uh and uh you know i know what this is like and uh, so many more uh employees are going and doing it uh we're going to be talking about work workplace 4.0 and uh that's going to be a pretty interesting discussion we're going to have today about everything that goes on we have uh mo Hamzian. He is the CEO of a company called Vell. We're going to be talking to him about what that means and how it works. He's an entrepreneur, a mentor, accomplished speaker, and CEO of his own company. He has made his personal mission to solve the inefficiencies of today's workplace with his latest venture, Vell. Uh, he is a graduate of, Re of Regents University, London, and earned his master's degree from the London Business School's Sloan master's program he has an established leadership record with over 20 years of experience and has successfully executed projects totaling over 150 million dollars is that all 150 million dollars that's not chump change people that's a lot of money whether it's uh, building or executing deals mo excels at delivering returns for investors and stakeholders and believes a clear vision combined with performance yields powerful results welcome to the show mo how are you I'm great, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. What a great introduction. I feel like I need a drum or something, but I love being here with you. I love your show. Thank you very much, and it's wonderful to have you as well. Give us a .coms, wherever you want people to find out more about you on the interwebs in the sky. Yeah, we are myvel.com. Um, you can also find me on uh, LinkedIn, forward slash Mohamzian. Come and see us there, or at, at uh, Vel Work Cafe on Instagram. But I'm sure you, you, you put it into your show notes at the end of the show. There you go. And dig up. There'll be a link on the show you can click on. So, uh, Mo, t give us a little bit about your origin story. Uh, we got a little bit in the bio, but uh, from your your uh, your mouth to our ears, uh, tell us a little bit about you and what you got you down this road of uh, becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, thanks very much. I think I love entrepreneurship, first of all. I think as a modality and an industry, it's really grown up over the last 20, 30 years. Entrepreneurship has become so much more structured, lots more frameworks, whether you're an incubator, 
an educator, an accelerator, or seeing other startups, podcasts around your show. So the market is really, really transparent. And entrepreneurship is all about finding a monumental problem, either it's in scale monumental or it's volume monumental, and being able to find a solution for it and mapping that solution on that problem and expecting the customer to pay for it at a certain value. So I am someone who enjoys finding what's not working really well and mm -hmm. being aggrieved by it, getting really passionate about it, finding a why behind it, and then being made silly enough or stupid enough think you can fix it and being dogmatic about it to say, I can't sleep until I fix it. And then three years later, you've built a business and wondering how amazing is this? So I think entrepreneurship is just one of those business, one of those one of those experiences that is hugely fulfilling and I love it. But a lot of entrepreneurship for me is about one foot in front of the other, marginal gain and uh, getting to a destination. But I love it. For me, I uh, just to give you a little bit of background, I'm, I'm an Englishman. You can tell from the accent. Don't hold it against me. The two things that happens in the US with Englishmen, two things always happen. One, everyone thinks you're smarter than you are. In, in my case, it's true. <laughs> and then... And then and then the, worst, the second worst part, Chris, is everyone thinks you're richer than you are, which in my case ah. is not true. Yeah, so, so somehow that's what happens. But I came to the U.S. five, six years ago, and I tell you something, Chris, the largest, biggest, most fruitful, developed single market in the world is the U.S. And if you're right now operating in the U.S., stand for a second, pat yourself on the back, and it feels extremely lucky to be an entrepreneur in this large single market because truly, 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 anything is possible here. And I've experienced it for myself because I've lived in multiple continents, multiple countries, and this country is a real true beacon. And I don't mean that just in an ideological way. I mean in a transactional and commercial way. So happy to be here, and um, over to you. There you go. Uh, well, you come from London. The other great thing we have over here is the sun. It does get dark at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon in London in the February, and you're wondering, um, when is this going to end popping vitamin D, D tablets? <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful city, and it's a beautiful country and, and everything else. And But, you know, it, it, it does get a little bit uh, overcast and dark there sometimes. So, so <laughs> unless you move to Seattle, then you have a whole nother. You know, you have a whole nother, you, have, you pretty much replicate London for one. They have Sundays up there. So uh, you started a lot of different companies I see here going through your LinkedIn history. Um, and, and a lot of them are very uh, entrepreneur and investor based. Uh, do you want to tease on any of them or touch on them and on how they led you up to this latest venture? Yeah, I'm happy to. You know, I think it's, it's, it's really interesting. Everything I've done in the past um, until now has one one common denominator that it had had lacked was it was enormously successful there was a lot of problems we found really really good solutions i was involved in it either as a ceo or as an investor and they were largely around real estate food and beverage um and delivering you know scalable real estate solutions to market or growing an fmb business multiple markets um largely i found them through time and valuable but hugely opportunistic the one thing i can tell you that entrepreneurship really needs and i lacked personally and that's one of the reasons i went back to business in my mid-30s was to find out was that mission that vision that common thread was that ability to bring the periscope up and see what's my roadmap going to look like and this 
company that I created and we've built together um, over the last three years with my team and co-founder and CFO, Jack, is something that's hugely mission-led. We have an enormous why and, and we exist because of that. And, um, and we become really passionate about it over the years. And something that's happened in the market, structural shifts that happen. One of the things investors ask of you all the time is in a good deck, you should have it, is this answer of why now? Why should we care now? Why is this relevant now? Why do you have a differentiation now? And for us, as as um, as difficult as the pandemic may have been for millions and millions of people around the world, there are going to be graduates of the pandemic, similar to that graduate startups of the pandemic, similar to graduate startups of the 08, 09, 010 crash where Airbnb, Uber, you know, these, these startups were born out of it. So um, I guess... Entrepreneurship for me right now is leading a mission-led company to grow as fast as possible and solve these problems as, as, as fast as possible in multiple markets. There you go. You bring up some great points, not only there, but a little bit earlier. Um, you know, right now, tech's going through a lot of layoffs. We're kind of in this whole 2008-ish era of layoffs and restructuring and maybe a recession and no one really knows. But usually a lot of these tech layoffs and things like that usually uh, bring about the new genre of whatever the new future is going to be, whatever it's going to be. And a lot of people are going to be working at home and doing their thing and doing the remote stuff. You know, you talked about earlier, like I said, uh, what the, the beautiful part of being an entrepreneur is that like what you said, the, you, you can, you can take in, uh, something needs to be fixed. Something bugs you. You can go, Hey, I know a way to make this better. This is stupid the way this works. Somebody didn't think this out. I can make this better. And then once you make it better, you're like, hey, I bet everybody else is suffering from the same sort of dilemma. And you bring it to market and away you go. So uh, what what caused you to want to start Vell? And uh, tell us the roadmap of how you got here and kind of the vision of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll answer that question philosophically for a second before I dive into that, the genesis of it. Um, for for a very long time, sociologically, the, the needle has been moving in the workplace, whereby because of, of, of just general society, human behavior, how we interact with different spaces has been changing and technology has been disrupting that. I mean, the Internet has totally proliferated lots of these kind of structural workings like for instance our value system and interaction with home is changing over time our the pandemic has shown our mandate and engagement with an office is completely different to that what it was 20 30 years ago maybe for our parents right um and therefore new spaces are becoming much more relevant much more sociologically relevant when i was a boy the library was a place of great sanctified space for me i i i took huge amounts of refuge in the library I've, i found enormous amounts of reading and space in the library for me just to press pause that doesn't exist today for a lot of people so we live in a really overly stimulated economy so as soon as you leave home uh, and you're no longer going to the office and you want to do something interesting the only other viable environment for you is a FMB environment. So that's either a restaurant. Well, check value of a restaurant is pretty high. The friction of getting in is real. You also have to eat. You may not always be hungry. Um, so in America, that place for a lot of Americans is a coffee shop. Is a classic mm -hmm. coffee shop where people go and socialize as that dependable third space. 
So we, so then we connected. We said, look, okay, coffee shops are really relevant, and it's a very decentralized market. There are in fact sixty-five thousand coffee shops in America, of which fifty fifty percent of them belong to Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. So about thirty thousand coffee shops that are decentralized. So we said, coffee shops are real. The economy has changed. There are lots of freelancers and and remote. In fact, half of the U.S. working population are either freelancing or remote working. That's the population of the UK, by the way. That's like 80 million people. It's remarkable. Wow. So they're not going to home and they're not going to the office because they don't have an office. They don't want to commute to the office. They're going to the coffee shop to work sporadically or regularly or quite a lot. Quindi. So we then said, okay, so coffee shops are relevant. The workplace has changed. But the coffee shop, from my point of view, and I've been working in coffee shops all my life, coffee shops have never been designed to hold space for you. Coffee shops are designed to sell good beans, good menu, their ideology of a croissant or a pastry or a frozen drink and ask you to leave, thank you very much, as soon as possible so we can sell another drink. Um, and usually the so chairs are said, pretty hard too. They have the hard chairs without the cushions. So they, 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 that's A lot of restaurants have that nowadays. They have the hard chairs because they want to get you out of there. They do. They do. And, you know, you can't blame them because their revenue stack um, is designed to sell you drink and not sell you space. Mm-hmm. So we said, that what are the best, th- and I love Starbucks bits, by the way, what Starbucks has done in the marketplace to be able to be, you know, some people say it's 60% good enough, some people say it's 90% good enough, but Starbucks has been able to do, let's just call it 75% good enough, 16, 17,000 times consistently. And that brand promise is extremely hard to replicate. So what they've done is a major testament to the leadership team, to the product and the consumer base. But Starbucks... 80% of its revenue is takeaway and these anecdotal rudimentary numbers and therefore they don't necessarily want you to sit. So we said ourselves, how can we create an environment where you take the best of Starbucks, you take the best of WeWork and co-working, you marry it together, create a love child and introduce a huge tech stack, infrastructure, hardware, behavioral sciences into it to create the GoPro version of a coffee shop. And, um, and we did exactly that, and um, it's the market responding well to it. This is extraordinary. I was looking at it on your website, myvel.com, and uh, you you guys are basically, yeah, like you said, you're merging Starbucks with the WeWork experience, and uh, even your even your menu of drinks and stuff is kind of designed to help focus people, uh, you know, keep, help people keep moving. You know, I've, I've, I've used Starbucks. Uh, in fact, I tried to use it for write my first book because, you know, so many people have like families at home, kids running around, my case, dogs running around. And so, you know, sometimes, you, you know, being in their space, you know, you're like, you know, like I'll try and, you know, I'll try and write something or work on a new book and on the computer. And then, then you get a pop up, you know, it's like, Hey, or, you know, your dog comes in or a kid runs in, I suppose if you have family and you know, it's, Oh, you know, Hey, got to go do this. Got to There's lots of interruptions. And the nice thing is with a coffee shop, you can go out, you can, you, you kind of feel like you're amongst other people. You can get something to eat and kind of keep busy, but you can also kind of focus on what you need to do, whether it's a project or a, a client thing or, you know, whatever you're doing. And you can kind of work on stuff without having those home interruptions. And so many people are doing that from now. They're working from home, whether it's remotely. Um, but sometimes it's a better place to have business meetings. I mean, you certainly can't have people come to your house if you want to have a business meeting. 
So it's a nice place to meet up with people and have a formal meeting. And of course, break bread with people because breaking bread with people really is almost a better rapport builder than, you know, going to somebody's office. I agree. And let me prove a point. I'm going to go off script and let you know what it feels like to work at Vell. I'm actually at Vell. We're in Miami right now. We're doing an expo at Emerge Americas. We have a prototype of our product, dropship prototype of our product. And I am in a $5 an hour, $30,000 pod. Um, wow. This thing is gr built from the ground up. I have my Zoom lighting here. I have my Wi-Fi. Each unit gives its own Wi-Fi. But let me open the door. And suddenly, once I go out, you can see how oh, annoying wow. and how disruptive it is. And wow. now, you can't hear me. I'm outside. So if I go back into my, my space, you can suddenly see I'm in a coffee shop <laughs> live, recording, live recording a show with Chris Voss for $5 an go. hour with a cup of coffee, um, real there, time. There you go. Wow. That was, I mean, that's amazing, the difference in the sound between the two. And that's yeah. one that that's and one that you're solving one of the issues that most people have in a coffee shop is yeah it can get a little too noisy or that one guy can start talking a little too loud and you're just like that guy's really starting to bug me now. Exactly, and you know what? One thing we wanted to create was, you know, we wanted to say we wanted to give you renovation dependent, which means if you are a nomad, digital native, remote work uh, freelancer, um, and you want to have. A reservation dependability outside of your home good luck unless you're willing to spend 50 60 100 dollars <laughs> an hour so, so we said how can someone how can we give you a microspace that next wednesday morning at 10 o'clock let's say you're pitching an investor and all the money we've raised has been over zoom by the way so you're pitching an investor at 10 o'clock you actually don't want to spend a hundred dollars you just want to spend five to ten dollars but you know you reserve the space so we've built a tech stack that chris voss can reserve a pod at 10 o'clock next Wednesday, Chris can walk in this pod. The Wi-Fi will already pick you up because hopefully Chris is a regular. The mm. drink would have been made because we were you've arrived. Oh, and wow. a robot, a robot, Iris, delivers the drink for you. Um, and that's what we've created here. And so far, Chris has spent $10. Um, so, so those are the things we're, we're building. And when you, when you think about it, it's so simple. None of it is rocking. Mm. We're not reinventing plastic. Um, it's just replication and innovation at its best. There you go. Uh, you know, I love this idea too, because if you're going to have an investor or business meeting, like I said, there's nothing worse than, you know, it, the noise gets really loud. They can't hear you. And so you guys basically have created these like little pods inside of the areas where people can have private space or comfortable space, uh, and, and, and have their own space, I guess, when it comes down to it. Exactly right. Exactly right. Ultimately we said, look, what coffee shops are transactional mm -hmm. they're anonymous you don't have to be a subscriber to be a coffee shop you don't have to stand on one toe one foot touch those to work with a coffee shop anyone can come in and transact with us so you can buy a drink and sit in a free open seat no strings attached no problem but if you want an additional layer of privacy you can go into a pod if you want a mid-level layer of privacy and i can show you some people they're working in those nest seats right now so you can go into a nest seat so we have a diverse um, value stack that can be mm -hmm. anything from $5 to $15 an hour, depending on what you are. But the ultimate thing it gives us in this remote setting, and maybe we can talk about that a little bit. And it gave to me, for me, when I worked out of coffee shops, when I was younger, I felt guilty and I felt shameful. 
I felt not good enough. I felt insecure. I said to myself, you know what? If I was, it was Google was huge back then. Twitter was huge, and they still are. I said to myself, you know, if I was as successful as my successful cousin who worked at Google, I wouldn't be working out of a coffee shop. But because I'm a freelancer, or I'm a you know a digital native, I'm working out of a coffee shop. I, I, my self-esteem was affected because of it. Mm. Um, and I think WeWork did that for a general population. What WeWork did for a lot of people will say, or co-working industrious did for a lot of people say, you know what, you don't need a fancy expensive office with one year's worth of lease. Come to WeWork, come to industrious, and you can stand proud knowing that you're working there. So, mm. so we said we want to create that similar culture, that similar ethos in a coffee shop setting to say, you know what? You actually want the pay-as-you-go flexibility of a coffee shop, the transactionalness of a coffee shop, because you may just want to use us three times a month. No strings attached. You can come in and spend 10 times every time you come, but feel amazing after you've done it, like a very good product. And that's the quest for us, to make it much more meritocratic. There you go. And I, I like this setup that you're doing because you're doing something different than just throwing up, you know, copies of Starbucks. Here's some of the benefits that, that come from this. Uh, you, cortisone lighting, ergonomic furniture, optimized temperature. Ergonomic furniture is important. Like I said, I go into I, I go into a lot of restaurants now. They have hard, they have those hard wood chairs. <laughs> uh, there's, you know, when, when I used to try and go into Starbucks, uh, you know, I'd always want to sit in those nice leather chairs if they had them. And, you know, there's always somebody camping that. So uh, having ergonomic furniture and something that's comfortable is going to make a difference. Optimized temperature, aerospace soundproofing, uh, flow inducing music. That's interesting. New tropic uh, uh, coffee, brain food, uh, fast, secure Wi-Fi. That's, of course, the most important. Uh, Imagination-inducing sense. That's kind of interesting. And robot baristas. Do you want to talk about any of those? Uh, the robot baristas are kind of cool. I love to talk about all of them, in actual fact, because mm -hmm. somewhere along the line, human beings thought having a chair and a desk and an expensive laptop is optimal workplace. But that's not true. It's not true. Um, if you are, If you are the fastest man on earth, and they take away your really good shoes and put you in sandals and ask you to run the 100 meters, you're not going to be as cool. Mm -hmm. um, you might even get blisters and break your toe. So it is the same thing for us. We said to ourselves, what are the things that activate flow? What are the things that get you there faster? So temperature, for instance. We know colder temperature makes you much more analytical. Warmer temperature makes you creative. So we can create cold zones and warm zones depending on the modality of work you're doing. If you're doing like mathematics and computer design, get in the cold space. If you're being much more creative and writing and content writing, get in the warm space. That's just a simple oh, wow. example. Yeah. Hmm. And another thing is acoustic value and privacy. One thing you don't have as soon as you leave your home is a neuro safety, psychological safety. You're overly stimulated. And majority of people are not extroverted. Majority of people are introverted. I am an introvert, believe it or not, which means I, reach, I recharge by myself, which means if I leave home the safety of, of, of mummy, wherever it is, I go into the real world, I'm going to get bombarded with stimulation. So when I come to a coffee shop, I get into this part, I can just relax. I don't have to be so agitated. Um, so that's another thing. And, and, and safety and lighting and acoustic value are required for creativity. Scent is 
other one. Scent is one of the low-hanging fruits. Hotel use scent extremely well to be able to elongate customer stickiness by a factor of 20%. So you can create scent to be able to drive um, part of the brain in different ways. We use Palo Santo, for instance. It activates like imagination and that mysterious side of you. And believe it or not, even in even in Miami, in an expo, we're pumping that scent out and we're drawing people in. So those are important. Oh. And the other thing we decided to do is like, for good design, the brand, the reason the brand exists, Chris, is to help everyone achieve their goal. I mean, it's, a, it's a lofty statement, but we stand by it. Then we say, we want to eliminate distractions and enhance focus. So our keyword is focus and our tagline is stay focused. And the way we do that is, how do you stay focused? How do you eliminate distractions? You have to layer out friction. One of those frictions is standing in the queue for five to seven minutes. You don't do that at Valve. You actually order on the app, go and sit down, the robot delivers it. Another friction is at Valve, you can have a tab open. So you can just, as if you were at a bar, you can just open up a tab and pay on the way out. That's another layer of friction. Wow. So we've compressed the onboarding and offboarding of a public space as much as possible. And um, those are some of the things we're doing, and we're really product-centric about it. That's really brilliant. I, I like the idea. You know, I, I've been in that flow where I'm writing something or, you know, I'm working on an email or presentation or sales pitch or response, and you're like, oh, God, i got to get up and get me another coffee, you know, and then you got to go stand in line, You gotta, and you kind of get a whole interruption you know, uh, to what you're doing and, and you're just, it kind of throws you off and, you know, sometimes your coffee's coming, you don't. So I like the concept of having a robot barista, just, just bring you what you want. And there's an app involvement here too, right? People can do a lot of this interaction off the app, correct? That's it. Exactly right. Um, so we, 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 uh, we have a tech stack, which means you can, or you can book space, you can order drinks ahead of time. Um, and you know, we, we have two types of users, just like good old technology platforms. Majority of users are going to be um, everyone, free users, casual users. There's no subscription. You can come and transact with us. Uh, but if you're a subscriber, you're a power user. Let's say you go to coffee shops three times a week or more. Um, you can become a subscriber to Val, which is you know very, very affordable, $10 a month. For that, you get some enhanced benefits. Um, and enrich benefits, both in terms of pricing benefits, but also you get your own Wi-Fi pipe, which is 500 wow. megabytes up, 500 megabytes down for $10 Holy a crap. month. It's incredible. So we have gamers who come and sit at Vell all day long in a pod, drinking coffee and playing professional games. We have recorded. It's incredible. I love it. I love it. It's. Uh... I have some friends that I need to send there because uh, I play yeah. them online and I'm always... The joke is, uh, what are you using, that McDonald's coffee shop Wi-Fi? What's going on with your Wi-Fi there, buddy? And they're like, yeah, I need to buy some. My parents need to buy some faster Wi-Fi. It's like, you, you maybe you could give your parents 40 bucks or something so they get that faster Wi-Fi. So we was, that's kind of the joke. You're using that Starbucks Wi-Fi down the block. And uh, <laughs> so I, that's funny. Gamers are using that for the thing. So you guys have already started opening shops. Tell us where you're open now and kind of what the roadmap is for uh, spreading the the, uh, the offices around, the coffee shops around the nation. Yeah, so we're open in Savannah. And Savannah is growing really, really well. We're six months into Savannah. I love Savannah as a marketplace. It's uh, net 40 people move to Savannah every every day. Um wow. 
Savannah has SCAD. It's a real kind of has huge symbolic capital outside of uh, outside of Georgia as well. So then we're we've got we're building in sh in Charlotte. We're building in Charleston. We're building in Nashville. We just did a deal with Amtrak in Chicago Union Station in the Great Hall, and um, we're looking at three or four airports. I can't announce quite yet, and we're looking at several hotels. Um, some of them in Miami and other markets like Austin and Boston and New York. Um, so, you know, classic business school says GBF, get big fast. And for us, it's not necessarily a GBF. For us, is to solve problems at scale as fast as we can because we get emails all day long. I get LinkedIn messages all day long. When are you coming to this city? When are you coming to that city? When are you coming near me? And I, I want to deliver on that. We want to deliver on that. Um, and it's interesting because we're now also in four different verticals, right? So we're in residential, hotel, train, airport, and each mm -hmm. one has its own nuanced problem to solve. The dwell time in an airport is different to a train station. Airports have luggage, residential doesn't. The airport customer is different to a hotel customer, for instance. Um, so there are lots of, lots of things for us to think about, but we're one of those companies that's growing. There you go. In fact, we've got a, a ring in from the live feed, uh, Mary K. Evans. Thanks for the question, Mary. Uh, are you going to do California? Is her question. We are. We love. We love uh, to come there. We're actually discussing um, some some stuff in San Francisco right now. Um, in some of the transport environments in San Francisco, we believe we're hugely relevant for airports. So um, California is great for us. We're also exhibiting this twenty by twenty. Um, um, exhibition we have in in Nevada in Las Vegas in in a, in a couple of weeks. So I can share the details with you um, at ICSC in uh, in twentieth twenty second twenty fourth of May. So if anyone is in the real estate or commercial real estate business or in economic development or even just really fascinated by real estate and the products that are coming out of that, they should go to that exhibition. They can come and see us. We're doing it in partnership with Cushman Wakefield. It's a big deal for for Val and for Cushman Wakefield. There you go. She even said that it would be huge in Orange County. Orange County is like a great place to do business. Lots of money there. And uh, people are responding very good. So you're selling us. You're selling the crowd. The crowd, the audience loves it so far. I, I think it's a great idea because, like I said, you know, I've tried to do coffee shops. Uh, they're a great place to meet. Um, and and, they're, and it's, sometimes it's hard. It's noisy. It's not comfortable. Sometimes you can't get the best chair. You know, you've got the person who's, you know, there's always that one person sometimes in a crowded space who's talking about something that's so insane. That's easy what happens to me. And you're just like, I want to go choke that person. I'm not really, but, you know, in my head. And I'm like, and you're just like, I can't think about what I need to think about because you're so loud talking about, I don't know, something that's so ignoring <laughs> that I just want to go, Arr! So there's that. Um, but I love the idea. I love the concept. Office Space 4.0 uh, with all the layoffs going on. I mean, the, the VCs are gearing up for this. They're, they're getting ready because they know this is a new 2008 or dot-com boom where basically all these uh, people got fired off of Twitter and Microsoft and Google and stuff. I think there's a new round of firing going on at Facebook. Um, these are the people who are going to come out with the new inventions and the new innovations and probably the new facebook and twitter is when it really comes down to it so these people are going to be working from home doing deals meeting up uh, putting stuff together if i recall rightly twitter was put together in a coffee shop uh if i recall rightly ev biz and and uh jack 
hash it out in a coffee shop. So uh, if I recall rightly, coffee shop or restaurant. And uh, look how well that turned out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it actually did for them. They're billionaires. I mean, you know, I think Elon Musk has a whole different take on it, though. We'll see how that thing turns out. Uh, what haven't we touched on or covered about Vel that uh, is important to tease out there? You know, I think we've covered a lot of it, but I do want to touch on this idea of, of, of the schematics of the workplace changing and remote. I know a lot of people have been talking about, you know, the this kind of great great resignation. I mean, for, for us and for Val, we see it as like a great transition. Um, and that's a huge time of dynamism and opportunity. Let me give you an example. For instance, we we are a remote company, even though we are brick and mortar. The, the corporate structure of the company is remote. Um, and we celebrate that with and overcompensate with it in terms of cultural values, touch points, um, building information centralization. So everyone is commercially intimate. But we, we put out job posts, like, um, for instance, hiring a chief of staff at the moment, and we just put out a job post and we're at, you know, 1,800 candidates apply. And wow. um, so it's it's remarkable um, how people have now this new degree of autonomy to be able to say, look, this is no longer works for me. I now need to move to this city and I still want to work for that startup in the other city and startups and companies like us are embracing it saying absolutely you can live in in illinois and work for our, our company who's headquartered in the cloud and i live in florida so absolutely that's working and i think that's something to celebrate um yeah. and, and that transition and that change is something that uh, we don't know how the dust is going to settle there's still a lot of uh, ums and ahs and question marks over a lot of things I mean, there aren't that many successful case studies of a billion-dollar unicorn or gorilla that was built remote, stayed remote, unless you're WordPress or Shopify or a heavy tech company. Um, so mm -hmm. to some extent, um, I think flexibility and hybrid is the way forward. And I think common sense will prevail, and the truth is always somewhere in the middle. There you go. Well, I think you guys are discovering and opening new territory and actually improving on, when it really comes down to it, you guys are improving and innovating on models that have already been successful. WeWork and, and Starbucks and everything and, and what people are trying to do. And you guys are just merging the two together and making it so, you know, there's an environment uh, that that's healthy, safe, uh, and you're going to feel like you want to be productive in that environment. And, uh, you know, then you've got robot baristas. So there's that as well. You know, you don't have that snarky barista who can't spell your name all the time and who's too busy on their phone or something. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing Starbucks. Um, and it, it looks like uh, the menu is fairly inexpensive, too, as well, especially if you're a subscriber. Is that is that uh, is that true? It is. You know, um, we no, f number one, uh, we we, uh, we don't we can't tip at Val. Um, so there's no oh. tipping culture here. Um, I, I'm an Englishman. I found that enormous amount of friction having to tip. I, I get stressed when I'm not sure how much I have to touch. And so therefore we, we really like, and I'm not saying I think tipping is really valuable in the restaurant business and in lots of businesses. Sure. It just wasn't relevant in our business. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we therefore have a, a baseline salary. So starting salary L at, at the barista level is $20 an hour, um, wow. which is way above, which is way above I'm quitting this job. <laughs> there you go. Um, I get five dollars so, an hour here, <laughs> or is it a day? I think it's a day. It, wow, yeah. it might be a minute. It just there. throws they just me a bag of chips and a coke, minute. some change, whatever's left <laughs> in the drawer. <laughs> so twenty bucks so an hour we, is pretty good these days. 
it is it's really good which means which means we can and, and also if you're paying twenty dollars an hour uh, an hour and there's no tip culture you can give baristas you know economic dependability like there's no seasonal variety in their earning power so then and then we have pto for our baristas um and um, health and well-being programs etc so ah. it's 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 a new way of looking at food and beverage and we're not the only one doing it lots of other companies is cool ours thinking about that but we're a people first kind of company because we believe we're trying to sell an experience and ultimately our humans our people in our company sell that experience so we have to start off by looking after them first and i am one of them um so i look after the company looks after me the company looks after everyone else and drive that forward we build a culture around it and um we build a halo around ourselves which says to some extent we're the chosen we're going to change the world and that's really important in a remote setting to galvanize everyone around a uh, a common denominator there you go well that's an extraordinary vision and you can give uh you can give people uh uh, some inspiration there and deliver that. And that's kind of what you're trying to do. You're trying to help send some inspiration to the next generation of entrepreneurs as, as they, and then give them a place to operate. Uh, I've got another question coming in. Uh, have you given any thought to putting it in hospitals and large assisted living facilities? There's a whole population there that are computer savvy and need access to this question I have come in. I love that question. What an intelligent thing to have to have pointed out. Yeah, we have um, intelligence audience here. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure it is. It, definitely, uh, for sure, we would love to do that. Um, having said that, early stage startups, and by I mean early stage, I mean before like as far as you know before Series B. Um, so within the first four or five years of a startup, you need to be very precise about your beachhead, and. Um, and penetrate that fast and hard. Um, that doesn't mean that value proposition can't sit in a hospital really, really well. Um, mm -hmm. But in the early days, we're going to have to be very sincere about what markets we're penetrating and, and doubling and tripling down on those uh, to keep ourselves a little bit more focused. Um, but I, I appreciate the question and um, we'll definitely consider that down the line. Definitely. I mean, yep. as you guys expand a lot of verticals you can get into. Uh, but yeah, building the core out so that you can get that dominance and stuff. Georgia, did you guys pick Georgia because it's such a, a fast-growing place? I mean, there's a lot of construction going on there. It, it's kind of crazy what's going on there. It's a, kind of the place to be, I think. It is. Um, it's a. It's got a you know net net positive environment definitely in Georgia. Um, we were looking at multiple territories at the same time. I happen to live two hours south of location number one. Um, so it was important from a early stage management point of view that that was close to us. Um, mm -hmm. And Savannah is just one of those cities we found a very good spot, very good landlord. Things lined up, and we uh, we selected Savannah. But um, but we also have a one city growth strategy at the moment. So we don't want to mm -hmm. do two in a city right now until we get to the dozens or double digits. Um, so we want to grow multiple cities, multiple states. Um, so. We're, we're now we're now in at the moment we're now in five cities five states there you go there you go uh you just got some comments back and that keep up and uh, doing what you're doing uh so uh there you go uh lots of southern california i guess the i guess we have a big southern california audience that wants you uh to come there uh so are you guys gonna what about investors if someone's listening in on the line you know we have a big linkedin audience as well 
Uh, do you guys going to go to VCs anytime soon or public? Or are you going to still work on proof of concept and then control things from there? Uh, how are you going to work? Uh, what's the plan that way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had uh, we've had three rounds of successful funding so far. We're one of those Starbucks. Starbucks. We're one of the, we want to be like Starbucks, but we're one of those startups that is growing really fast. So we always, as soon as the ink is dried, we're raising again. So we we're in round mm -hmm. number four. Um, wow. We actually we're actually starting a round on uh, Start Engine. Um, mm. So you can go to startengine.com forward slash offering forward slash vel, and you can see see all about us there. So that's startengine.com forward slash offering forward slash vel. Um, and um, yeah, we if it's interesting, for you take let us know what what information you need. But we're we're I think startups that are growing fast have to be good at raising cash and good at raising funds. And I I believe that fundraising keeps companies very sincere and help build better product. Because when you go to market, you get very very tough stress tests and questions that you have to answer, you have to think about, and you have to incorporate. Therefore, you improve. Um, and it's the same way. You're trying to get a mortgage for a house. If the bank says no, it means maybe the house is just not good enough or you're overpaying. For it. And it's the same way. The market keeps you very honest and product development is, is also thrives in the environment. There you go. Well, Mo, this has been pretty insightful. Anything more we need to cover as we go out? No, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be here, Chris. Thanks for inv inviting me. And uh, hopefully I've added some value to, to your audience. I think you did, and definitely people will be subscribing. It seems to be a favorite among our audience, and I think what you guys are doing is brilliant. I mean, I it's one of those it's one of those concepts where you're like, why didn't I think of that? Like I I've seen the stuff over the years that you're just like, yeah, you just take WeWork and Starbucks and merge the two and make it better. And why didn't I think of that? And so it's a great idea. And sometimes those are the most brilliant ideas. I mean, most of if most most of the great business ideas like Airbnb and other things came from basically the the for sale or the help wanted areas of uh, Craigslist. So, you know, That's they right. weren't, the, they were sitting there the whole time in, in people's face going, you know, you really should try doing this because uh, it works someplace. So there you go. I mean, e eBay, I mean, I, I used to, I had another idea for eBay back in the day um, because we used to run these bulletin board auctions. And of course, somebody who started eBay got, got, you know, saw the same thing and went, Hey, we should just make this like this auction thing, like a centralized unit. That's better than bulletin board. So there you go. Uh, so Mo, uh, uh, give us your.com. So people can find you guys on the interwebs and get to know you better. Yeah. Sure. Uh, our domain is myvel.com. You can find us there, find us about our product and how we see the world. And if not find me on LinkedIn, I'm sure Chris, you put in the show notes. I'd like to engage with you. There you go. Well, thank you very much for coming to the show, Mo. We really appreciate it, and you giving us some insight and hopefully some inspiration to future entrepreneurs. Thanks so much, Chris. All the best. There you go. Thanks, Mo, for tuning in. As always, go to goodreads.com for Chess Chris Foss, the big LinkedIn group. There's 130,000 people over there. LinkedIn newsletter is just huge. It grows every day. It's crazy. Uh, go to youtube.com for Chess Chris Foss for the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Thanks for the recent uh, five star reviews over there. Give a five-star review on iTunes when you get a chance. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. And we'll see you guys next time. And that should have us out.